All right, let's wait till we get this going, and we'll be in business. Hope you're all doing well. Happy Friday to you. I think the weigh-ins are going on, so I'm going to pull those results up. Oh, I'm live, apparently. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is my impromptu, whatever you want to call it. Oops, let me turn it off. Yeah, UFC 241, Nate Diaz fight week, Conor McGregor punching the elderly kind of live chat. Yes, that's what we're going to do here today. So, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We're so close to 100,000. And in the meantime, let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. Hope you're doing well. As you know, got my little diet Mountain Dew here. We'll go for about an hour today. A little bit less, probably. Something like that. Um, okay. So, let's do this. Let me pull up the, I believe uh, MMA Fighting has the weigh-in results up. You know what, I'll just leave Twitter up because I can't really watch the video itself. So, hope you're doing well. I know I am. I'm excited about the fights this weekend. Yes, there will be a post-fight show. Um, I have to apologize again for the camera quality. I'm not using my A7 III because uh, I still can't, well, I forgot to just buy a... Uh, I have to go USB to micro, excuse me, I have to go HDMI to micro HDMI. And as you can see, I tore my micro HDMI and I can't find my replacement cord. So we're on my Canon camcorder. It will be fixed. It will be a proper, it'll be a proper live chat come Saturday night. But I'm excited about the fights. I don't know how you guys feel. So I put up a thread on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get questions in there, you may. You can donate if you want to. You are under zero obligation to do it today. For the post-fight shows, I need that kind of thing. It's actually pretty important for the overall revenue that this channel generates on an annual basis. But for today, don't worry about it. You don't need to. Of course, it's always appreciated. But if you want to leave questions, two places to do it. One is going to be on that Twitter thread. Uh, and then the other is going to be on the community tab on my YouTube channel. Oops. Hold on. Let me turn this off. There we are. Uh, it's going to be in the community tab. So I'm going to pull that up right now. I think I have the URL. I might put that in the top of the comments. Let's see. Just so everyone can be on the same page with this one. My channel. Da-da-da-da-da. Community. And then... Here we go. Oops. Hang on. Let's look at all 52 of these. So far, 52. Okay. All right. Um, yes. So I'm going to put that in there. I'm going to put that in. Let's see if I can put that in the comments. Maybe I can paste four questions. Sorry. Here we are. Four questions. Comment. And then I'll pin that to the top. Okay. We're ready to go. Wow, wow, what do you want to say? First of all, my episode one, or really episode two of Java Boys with Brendan Schaub is up. I flew to LA this week, sat down with him. Uh, we did a podcast about uh, UFC 241, some of the bigger fights upcoming. Um, not sure how many of these we'll do and how often we'll do them. There's a lot of different competing thoughts about them, but... Um, 
But for sure, Java Boys is live. You can go check that out below the belt right now. So that was a fun little conversation. I was happy to get a chance to go out there and do it. Let me make an like opening statement, if I may, about uh, Nate Diaz's week. Well, he's had quite the week, huh? If you were a Diaz skeptic about his ability to pull, I think this was a week where you had to acknowledge. Um, I still think, obviously, he's a lot less than the overall level of popularity that McGregor typically maintains. Uh, but I think if you were a skeptic of being like, well, it's really and almost exclusively or mostly a function of Conor McGregor's participation, I think this was one of those weeks where you're like, mm, I might have to dial that 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 idea back a little bit. I'm going to have to dial that one back a little bit because they're setting a gate record in California uh, for the UFC. I can tell you the amount of enthusiasm in terms of online traffic around him is high. We did a little bit of a part one on this. We're going to do a part two. I'm going to make a correction on one thing I got wrong, but nevertheless, the general trend I think was correct. Um, you know, we'll look at most of the attention, who it's being devoted to. And then the big achievement for me this week not for me, I'm sorry, the big, uh, um, the big moment for me this week was I was, I've been trying, I've been like racking my brain and trying to like understand what the Diaz brand is. And I don't mean Diaz brand like, gee, I need to carefully curate the way the public sees me, uh, in an effort to maintain a certain image. I don't mean brand in that way, but I mean like identity and, a, and an identity through a lit, you know, a, Living through one's values. That's what I mean by brand, okay? It's it's probably always been clear, but to me, when he hit that blunt or whatever it was, CBD, not CBD, blunt, cigarette, whatever you want to call it, joint, um, that was the moment to me it became perfectly clear. He is, Nate Diaz is MMA's foremost anti-establishment hero, perhaps even an anti-hero. Uh, depending on one's perspective a little bit. But what's so funny about that is, if it wasn't, in fact, eh, marijuana with THC in it, if it was just the CBD stuff, the imagery of him smoking is like total rebel. But the reality is actually something of a, you know, skirt around the edge of the lines a little bit, but nevertheless playing inside of them kind of a team player. Now, I know he skipped out on UFC 241 Media Day. Who cares? He made more noise at the open workouts than anyone made yesterday at the media day, far and away. Uh, the contract states that they have to do a reasonable amount of effort, not that they have to accommodate every request. I'm sure UFC stuff is considered to be mandatory, but what are they going to do? I mean, he's you're going to tell me that Nate Diaz didn't do a good job within the a reasonable context of promoting this fight and promoting this event? Please be serious. You cannot possibly make that claim. So... Um, but that to me was the big like eureka moment for me. It's like he's your anti-hero, he's your anti-establishment figure. That's the top guy doing it, but he does it in a way where um, it's not he's not so rebellious that he is self-destructive. At least not not this week. Yeah. I mean Nick Diaz didn't make the presser against GSP and then they pulled him and it was Condit or whatever. That was self-destructive. And you could say the UFC didn't need to do that. Okay, but they did. And so that was the game you were playing. Um, Nate is still playing within the boundaries enough to claim that, uh, you know, he's got this, this rebellious imagery with this, you know, compliant reality to a degree. Um, and it's a genius stroke, man. It's a genius stroke. You get all of the trimmings of 
being iconoclast and then all the reality of being a forthright partner. It's really quite brilliant that he's able to do this. And you ask yourself, you know, how should the UFC handle it? Dana White went on Jim Rome and was just kind of flabbergasted about Nate hitting the the CBD thing. And um, it was perfect. That's exactly what you want. It's like, dude, here is Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is the Beastie Boys uh, inside of, you know, fight for your right to party. You know, and your mom threw away your best porno mag. That's the UFC. The UFC is your mom throwing away your best porno mag because there he's just out there trying to live it and be free and be young and be cool and hip and, and march to the beat of his own drum. And here comes the UFC, the old fuddy-duddies trying to... They, they, you know, what the UFC loves more than anything is like systematizing everything. It's banquet food, right? Ship out a bunch of stuff right on time, make it mostly palatable, like a factory assembly line. And the, Diaz has, the Diaz's aren't part of that. If the UFC really wants to make the most out of Diaz, if they want to say to themselves, look, we're not properly situated typically to make someone like this a star, UFC is really good about providing infrastructure for people who are naturally camera ready or naturally symbolic in some kind of way. They're good about providing a stage. They're good about creating a media tour. They're good about putting a microphone in your face. And then they kind of want you to do the rest of the work. They're not so good at understanding the different kind of personalities that might not benefit from that kind of system. So they're very good from an infrastructure standpoint, but not so much from a talent um, or an identity maturation kind of thing. In any event, if they want to make the most out of this, they kind of kind of have to like you know swallow their pride a little bit and realize. It's that when, you know, when the parents turn around and the kids flip the bird to the parent, everyone tee-hee-hees in class. Dude, that's Nate Diaz, man. That's what he is. And if and if you want to get the most out of him, you kind of got to let him play a little bit by his own rules. But in the end, if you do that, I think the UFC benefits. Look at the gate. And if he goes out there and has an exciting fight against Pettis and wins, and I don't know that he will, but let's say that he does, dude, you're, you're cooking with gas, man. You're cooking with gas. So why not? Why not just you know try to do something a little bit different? It's not in their corporate identity and their ethos to allow this kind of thing. Again, it's the opposite of the kind of rules and order and procedure that they not only typically covet but demand. But sometimes special people deserve special treatment. That's the world we live in. And if they can benefit it from the end, I'm not sure I understand what the problem is. So, so there's that. All right. Sure enough, I get on here, and uh, they're lighting me up. Um, all right, let's get to some of these questions, shall we? That was my big fun moment for the week. I was just like, okay, now it has finally dawned on me. Uh, let me go right to the questions on the... Um, channel page. What's the people's main event, Luke? Diaz versus Pettis or Yoel versus Romero? Come on, y'all. How do you think DC or Miocic uh, sort by? Let's do top comments first. How about that? How do you think DC or Miocic would win the fight if they did? Um, for DC, to go back and watch the first one, to the extent he wants to replicate that. Maybe he wants to switch things up. I don't know. Maybe he wants to wrestle, right? Could be. But the big issue for him was the first time was he was able to keep getting the left-handed collar tie, right? Collar ties around the neck. And then fire stuff off the right hand, and it was, and it was, and then in playing with that position through underhooking and everything else, that the right hand became free. So if you're, I was saying on my show, I think that if you're Stipe Miocic sticking behind the jab, getting back to the leg kicks, I actually think that's actually a really big deal. The leg kicks, 
And this is one thing that sort of really occurred to me that I don't know why we don't see more of, which is um, in Connor's fight with Habib, what did Habib do in the very first round? Did he really try to get out there and strike with him? Did he really try to like super heavy pass guard, you know, really kind of stick it to him in all the other dimensions of the game? Not really. Not really. Here's what he did. In the first round, he went out there and just said, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to wrestle you. You know, I'm going to try to advance position on you to make you work, test things out, see how you feel. But really, it was, I'm going to go in there and just drain you. The first round is about nothing more than draining because Connor comes out from the opening bell ready to go, on fire, timing, everything. Okay? You got to drain that. And then when you get into a lesser version of that, he's he and many other fighters are a lot more manageable. So, if I'm Stipe Miocic, I, I'm saying to myself, trying to go out there and just trade with him or wrestle with him, I don't know. But if you can really sting the jab, and if you can really stick the leg kick and just do that and get on your horse, like Josh Thompson against Nate Diaz, first round, what did he do? Side-to-side -side movement, switching stance the whole time, and then finding the leg kick, finding the leg kick, finding the leg kick. I mean, he didn't really do a whole lot else in that round. That was mostly what he did. And then in the second and third round, uh, he did other stuff. Or I'm not sure how many rounds it went. But after that point, that, that was the deal. Stick to something up front, drain them, and then open up the repertoire. That's sort of what I'm thinking. So he's got to find a way to clinch break. He's got to find a way to deny the collar tie. And so the ways you could do that is you could wrestle and get on top. You could stick the jab. You could stick the low kick. And then once the person's a lesser version of themselves, then you can let the rest of the offense fly. For DC, I think it's maybe he initiates the wrestling. Maybe he gets on top. Maybe he drains. And then I think also you, if not getting back to that left-handed collar tie, uh, some way to, to force the clinch because it worked last time. In that clinch battle, when you're fighting for underhooks and then trying to go bicep control and then wrist control and then where the head is going and all that kind of stuff, you're having to make a lot of decisions in real time. And he's just going to make, if the longer that goes, he's going to make DC as better ones. So, stands to reason. Uh, is DJ, is bringing DJ back to beat Triple C the move he needs to become the superstar he should have been? Don't know, don't really care. Uh, can we subscribe to Morning Combat as a separate channel apart from Below the Belt? Not yet. Not yet. That could be something that happens in the future, we'll see. Um, but not right now. I try to post that on my personal channel. Look, I know some folks have very siloed fan bases. Some people love Brendan. Some people don't. I understand that. Um, obviously, I'm very fond of him. But if you're not, I'll tweet out the stuff. And you know, you can just watch it independent of that. Uh, should Stipe... Although, I think the podcast link is separate. So you can get the podcast separate. Uh, should Stipe retire if he loses this weekend? Or should he wait to face... To see if DC retires? You know, I spoke to Aaron Bronstetter yesterday. He made a good point. If DC wins this, this could be his last one. And if it's not his last one, he's talking about maybe 205 for John Jones, which means he'd just be leaving the division. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how he feels about losing to DC twice and then picking up the belt that he vacated, but are there worse things in the world? You know, it's a possibility. And also he could win and then, you know, the whole thing changes. But the question is, if he loses, well, if he loses, how many more fights does... Cormier have at heavyweight one you know so um yeah he should I mean I don't know what he should do or what he wants to do but is it unreasonable to 
wonder if he could hang around and make like dude that's how you make your money you make your money with as a belt holder or fighting in bouts for belts you know okay you lost but then two more fights dude you could make you know several hundred thousand dollars if not a million depending on where the card is and who you fight doing that like that's a that seems like a decent plan so we'll see it's interesting uh, is below the belt going to give you a bigger TV screen for your breakdowns? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, you keep supporting that project, and you'd be surprised what, what they might do. So keep your eyes peeled. We're working on a bunch of stuff. Folks don't understand. Here's one thing I haven't revealed. I didn't negotiate much with Showtime. Um, they came to me. We had a meeting. Uh, or I came to them, however you wanted to put it, we came together, and it all happened super fast, super late in the game. So they had to make a show like, I mean, I've never seen a show come together that quickly. So this is, and every week you've seen them build on those things. Those all would have been in place from day one if there was enough time to make it the way that it was. You know, I was headed down one path, then Showtime came in, and then I said, well, that's a path too good to pass up. So, uh, you know, they've had to, they've had to kind of retrofit everything, so to speak, week over week. My only point being is I think they've done a great job with that. And also guys, we're very new into this deal. Like give it some time. Some interesting things are going to happen. So, um, keep supporting it. And I think the last one of the preview I did is like, I want to say is it like 125 K or so for dissected. So keep that up and you'll be surprised. Do you think grabbing the fence, extending fingers that results in eye pokes and hits to the grounded opponents are more so reactionary or split-second frustration that are acted upon? I would say they're rarely um, they're rarely premeditated. But the, the, the rules being like, oh, there's premeditated fouls and there's not premeditated fouls. I don't think that's actually the best rule division. Which is to say, if someone in a premeditated way pokes your eye, dude, I wouldn't even mind you disqualifying that guy. If there was some kind of way to determine that was what they were doing, you know, if they came out there just blatantly doing that kind of thing, I wouldn't even mind disqualifying for that. To me, if you blatantly eye poke a person, that is such a ignoble, awful way to fight uh, that a bare minimum a point should be taken. So to me, the question is never really intentional versus not intentional. Most are going to be not intentional. The question is the degree of negligence. How much more care could they have taken and what impact it had, rather than a question of intentionality, which, by the way, is very, very hard to determine. So, I think that they're mostly reactionary, probably a little bit of frustration, depending on the context. But I just want to be clear to folks, it's not really like, oh, it's intentional versus not intentional. Man, fuck all that. It's it's. How much more care, like, were you worn twice before? What impact did they have? But if you go out there and just jam your fingers in someone's eyes, yo, they should disqualify you. I would have no problem with that. You know, you're going to affect someone's vision like that? Mm-mm. Um, do you think there'll ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? That's a stupid question. Could Jorge Masvidal face the winner of Pettis Diaz? Not only could he, I think there's a distinct possibility that he might. Um, I would uh, Pettis less so, I suppose. I don't know. But if Diaz wins, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in that fight. A lot of interest in that fight. What are the chances that Romero Costa goes the distance? 
seems unlikely by the way they fight, but you never know because remember, Romero is a two-way fighter. He's defensive, 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 defenses, explodes. Right? That's the way he is. And cost is all up in your face like a rap battle, right? In the words of Sean Price. So it's going to be interesting. Does Costa force Romero out of that shell? Does Romero find a way to slow Costa down and then turn it on late, like all the third round KOs or knockdowns that he has? My, I, I, it's going to be action-packed, so chances are if it's action-packed, it probably doesn't go all the distance, um, but I'm, I'm loath to make a prediction about the, specifically how long it goes. That makes sense. I do love Diet Mountain Dew. Um, there's a stupid question. All right, Luke. Uh, this is a good one. Hi, Luke. Long time viewer. Super happy to see you happy. Well, thank you, sir. So I'm a little confused about Stipe versus DC. People keep saying Stipe was winning the round, but what I saw was DC setting up that KO shot nearly every time they'd clinch. Daniel would hook him on one side and throw from the other. So my question, what can Stipe do this time? I kind of went over this. To stifle the superior clinch game of DC, I can't see him winning unless he made dra drastic improvements in that respect. But we went over this before. One thing is I went back and I watched the fight a couple more times. You know, Stipe, Stipe is landing kind of early. He is landing a little bit. He had leg kicks too, by the way. Um, good jabs. Like, he was making contact. But when you talk to Cormier about it, he was worried about the guy's power and then flat out said Rumble Johnson hit harder. So it's not the worst he's ever faced. It's it's good power, but it's not like crazy power. And um so that's one. And then the second part is, you know, Stipe was landing, but the problem is not so much that he's landing. It's that if you're landing and not putting the guy away and you don't have a game plan built for sustainability of a style, a style you can implement the exact same way or virtually the same way minute over minute through round over round, then you're going to meet a problem against Cormier because Cormier is going to walk you down. Look at that fight. About two minutes left in the first round, Cormier goes from backing up, backing up, ducking, dodging, leaning to his right. That could be something that Stipe takes advantage of, that lean to his right. But after about three minutes, then he's backing up and Cormier is walking into him. And once that happens, I'm not saying the fight is over because that would be premature, but that's when, man, that's when he starts putting the heat on you. So to me, for that round to flip after about three minutes or so in, it's indicative of that That maybe Stipe didn't have the right strategy. Maybe he's not good enough. I guess we'll have to see. But he had the wrong approach to that fight, and he had seven months to prepare. So it's like, no. to me, there's no excuses. Like, you know, that's just the way it goes. But second time around, he can pump that jab. Second time around, he can really be good about his footwork, firing that hard leg kick, clinch breaking, maybe initiating takedowns that initiates the clinch in certain capacities. You have to be careful how you did it, but um, timing that lean to the right, there are some things to pick up on. And he was kind of winning the first round, but, you know, uh, Rumble comes out strong against Cormier. Uzdemir comes out strong against Cormier. Lots of people come, uh, come out strong against Cormier, and then you see this moment inside either the first or second round where everything starts to turn. And then once it turns, it usually never goes back the other way. 
How do you feel about the theory of 170 pounds and underweight classes having more elite fighters due to elite athletes and upperweight classes obviously choosing basketball and football? It is quite obviously true. DC said earlier this week he doesn't want to be the guy that goes out on his back. So my question is, if he gets KO'd on Saturday, do you think he could potentially just keep fighting against championship caliber guys until he wins again? Possibly. Yeah, I don't think he wants to go out in a loss. But if it's really bad, maybe he rethinks it and says enough. Javier Mendez, his coach, has come right out and said he hopes this is the last one. A lot of ways this could go. Do you think it's right that John Jones is at the top of the pound-for-pound list just because he hasn't won belts in two divisions? Let me look at it up. I'm not sure your question is asked correctly. Let's see. So pound-for-pound is still Cormier. Um, I don't know. I don't put too much stake into pound-for-pound. Um, I don't think that winning in two divisions is always better than a winning streak in one division. So, for example, if you capture a title at one weight class, then in your next bout, you go up to the next one and you capture that belt. That is obviously a ridiculous achievement, okay? But to me, that isn't necessarily, by definition, better than someone potentially in a better weight class holding the position for five or six years, right? Something like something crazy like that. Um, I would say it's generally going to be better than what most fighters come up with, but not always. So, you know, should does Jones belong at one or two? You know, you can make up your own mind. But just to be clear, while winning a belt in two divisions is insanely impressive, it's not a default, this is always better than winning it in one. So then you have to measure out which one's a little bit more difficult to do. Like, who is it harder to beat? All the guys John did or all the guys DC did in the way in which that happened? Um, and that's the creates some complicating questions. But, I, I, you know, I think John's the most talented fighter I've ever seen. I think he's I, – I would probably put him number one pound for pound, but I can understand there might be a debate about that. If not Uriah Faber, who do you think should get the crack at Cejudo at 135? Anybody else? Did you get Look, I love Uriah. I've known him a long time. He's been a stand-up guy with me from day one, and I suspect that's not an accident because that's just who he is. He didn't have to fake anything. But I'm sorry, y'all. He's sitting at number 14. You'd have to leap Song Yudong, John Dotson, Rob Font, Cody Stamen, Corey Sandhagen, who fights this weekend, Jimmy Rivera, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz, Peter Yan, Rafael Sunso, Aljamain Sterling, and Marlon Moraes. And some of those you can make a case that he should jump. There's a bunch you can't make that for. That would be ridiculous. It'd be ridiculous. And it's not even hating on Uriah. You'd be hating on all the other worthy guys in that queue. You know, Morash just lost, but all the other ones that are coming off win streaks or um, important victories like your Peter Yans and your and your Sterlings, most notably, and some other ones as well. If Sandhagen wins this weekend, dude, he'd be sh- you'd be being a shithead to them. I would rather I would rather just say to Uriah, you're great, we love you, you got to get a few more of these in. Then tell all those other guys who've been out here thugging it in that bantamweight division. Fuck you guys. We're just gonna bring this guy in because what what you've done doesn't matter. I just no. Can't can't me personally can't do it. Can't do it. Um, is there any compelling reason to believe Costa will beat Romero given his style of inactivity punctuated by explosive counters after making reads? It seems to me that by far the most likely route to victory against Romero is throwing volume and having a great defense to avoid the counter shot en route to a decision. 
Paulo has shown ability to put constant pressure on his opponents and throw brute force at them, but I don't think he's shown the sophistication in that pressuring nor the defense to avoid the counter from Romero. Also, his cardio may be suspect when it comes to throwing that much volume for three whole rounds. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. In fact, what do the... What do the... Um, best fight odds. What do they say? I suspect they have it quite close. Yeah, they've got Costa as a slight underdog. I'd say that's about right. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's about right. Um, it's, it's a great point. It's a great point. The question is, has Romero aged? Right? And, of course, everyone has aged, but in the way that is indicative of how the fight might go... Um, what if in playing too much defense, he allows too many shots through and starts taking damage? What if uh, he's got an injury? There's a lot of different ways that you could measure this. I think your analysis is fair. I think that analysis is good and is a very likely way in which the fight could go. Just thinking of some ways in which that, that could fall through. But you, you make great points. You make great points. Uh, if Pettis and Diaz hit the ground, who has the more well-rounded ground game? That's not even a question. It's Nate Diaz by far. If you had to vote one men's division off the island, which would it be and why? Ignore the impact on fighters. Only consider the historical impact, relevance, and competition level of division. Uh, that one's easy. Uh, flyweight. Uh, I know there's a lot of you know hipsters on Twitter who will tell you that flyweight's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I like flyweight, but if I had to get rid of one, easy call. Um, the hipster choice would be to get rid of heavyweight, but I don't want to get rid of heavyweight, so... Is McGregor done, and if he comes back, do you think he ever looks like the contender Connor again? Connor's misspelled here. One N, not twos, not two Ns. There's only one letter that repeats itself in Connor's name. It's the letter O. C-O-N-O-R. Two, N, two O's, one N. Um, do I think he's done? No. Do I think he can look like, like the contender again? Only he knows. You know, I know that sounds like a cop-out answer. My hunch is probably not. But I want to be very clear about this. There's been a lot of guys. I've, I've covered this game for a while now. There's been a lot of guys I thought looked like they were done, had all the trimmings that they were done, and then they all of a sudden just weren't done. Uh, you got to be very careful about that. Now, people are going to be like, what about BJ Penn? We're talking about something where every indication is he's done, and it's f- foolish slash insane to keep, that, uh, to keep him fighting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about cases where you're like you're trying to make a read and, and figure out things where there could be some debate about it or you're not entirely sure, but you know it's kind of checking this box and checking that box. I always bring this one up. A fighter who is shot typically doesn't throw back a lot. Right? They'll just kind of take it. They won't get knocked down. They won't get hurt too bad. They kind of just roll with it a little bit, but they don't really throw back. You see a lot of that in, in fighters who I thought were done. And... You know, I thought Francis, after the fight against Stipe, he'd been beaten on too long. And and we still don't know about his wrestling, but what we can say is he overcame that. So suffice to say, um, you very much have to give somebody like Connor the benefit of the doubt. My only concern would be, and I'm sure he's training to a degree, but you know, if you're out there punching people in bars and shit, like how much could this be really a f- central focus of your life? And when you're not getting better, everyone else is. You know, yes, they're getting more miles on themselves, so that part is true. Uh, but at the same time, they're training and training and going through camps and then weight cuts and then fights and then training and training and weight cuts and then camps and fights and the whole thing. Um, 
that that sharpens your ability over time, provided you don't take too much damage. So, I would say in MMA, if you're gone a long time, that is, a, you have to be so far ahead of your peers from a technical standpoint that you have to allow them some time to catch up. Uh, I I always thought he was very good. I don't think he's good enough to say I can take years off. Where I'm not, he's not again. He's not not doing anything. I'm sure he's training, but that kind of like if he was really considered and 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 uh, active that whole time, how much better would he be as a fighter? How much more developed would his wrestling and ground game be? You know, probably a lot. Um, he's given that up. Well, can you give that up against opponents who aren't in that lightweight division? I don't suspect that you can, but you know, the guys defied the odds before. You'd be very fool. Always foolish to count McGregor out. I think it's reasonable to have some skepticism. Foolish to count him out. Uh, how much intelligent thought do elite UFC fighters put into exchanges, combinations, counters, compared to muscle memory reactions? I think most of it is muscle memory. And it has to be. If you're out there really considering and thinking through things, you can have eureka moments in fight, from what I understand. Um, certainly you can hear things in the corner. You can make adjustments based on some considered assessments, but a lot of it has to be instinctual. A lot of it you have to be able to fire quickly. A lot of it has to make just these instinctive reads. You have to know what you're doing. So it's not unintelligent thought to make quick reads, but by intelligent thought, you mean like slow and thoughtful. You don't have time for that. You don't really have the luxury of that. It's not a question of like, do they or don't they? It's like they can't for the most part. Um, So... So it's, you're going to get a lot of muscle memory. You're going to get a lot of like you know quick reads and and things like that because if you can if you can train all those things, we're like oh I see a certain situation I'm going to go for this pass. Oh I see a certain situation I'm going to bring my knee up here. I'm going to put my hand here. I'm going to collar tie here. I'm going to pull here. If he reacts, I'm going to chair sit. If he doesn't, I'm going to go to knee on belly. Like you already know these in your mind. You're just kind of waiting for them to react because you've drilled all those scenarios and practiced all those scenarios ahead of time. So no matter which way they go, no matter what they do, you just see them doing one thing, you just know what to do. You see them doing another, you know what to do, right? It has to be like that because that's the kind of, you know, decision horizon you're essentially facing. Prime DC versus Prime Fedor, who wins and how? Boy, that is such a difficult question. Fedor's speed was unbelievable, but if DC could get him down, you know, it probably could have held him down, but then Fedor's hips underneath were ridiculous. Um, man, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I might say prime, prime DC, but I don't know. I don't know. Dana announced on Submission Radio, shouts to the Submission Radio boys, that Max versus Volk is not happening. Uh, yeah, I saw that in Melbourne. Too soon for a turnaround for that with Max. With that said, where do you think it is likely to take place? Thinking 245 December in Vegas. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sucks. I, I, I was trying to tell folks, like, you know, if that, if that I mean, it, it's not, of course, look, you put Holloway versus Volkanovsky on... Any card as a co-main event, bro. You got you're you're. I mean, this is an amazing fight, and particularly in Australia. Wow, how great that would be, right? But that main event is historic. Adesanya versus Whitaker is not just to determine who the best middleweight is right now, uh, or just an exciting fight. 
it's a moment in time where an where an area of the world has matured enough as a market <clears throat> that they not only get a UFC title fight, they get one of the best UFC title fights this year, and they get one like what's the story at middleweight? There's a lot of younger guys uh, coming up. There's a lot of like older ones leaving the division. And it's this takeover. This is to decide who the king of the takeover is. So you've got this like really important moment for this division. You got this really important moment for this weight class. Um, you got this mo- important moment for this area of the world. You got this important moment for both of those guys' careers to decide who's the real champion. All that stuff. You know, my hunch is, man, I'm not in Australia. I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn, but you can. You should be able to fill that stadium as big as it is with that fight, dude. That is. That is one of the best fights in MMA you're going to see maybe this year and maybe in a long time. They don't come much better than that. They don't come with that kind of storyline. They don't come with that kind of opponent contrast. They don't come with two guys of that kind of ability. Robert Whitaker is a bad dude, and so is Israel Adesanya. He's another bad dude. And they're going to clash, and they're young, and they're in their primes. Dude, like, I get it. No doubt about it. Volkanovski versus Holloway on that card, send it to the moon. But that main event... That main event is not just good. That main event is not just important. That main event is historic. That is a historic main event. Um, and if you're in Australia and you don't go, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. What are the chances Nate lights up a blunt and passes it around the post-fight press conference? If he wins, hi. No pun intended. If he doesn't, we'll see. Is Yoel Romero the best athlete to compete in MMA? Um, He's one of the top five, I'd say. Let's see. Have you watched all the eye pokes in the DC versus Stipe first fight? And why wasn't any of the media exposing this? How come no one is talking about the old Irish bloke in the bar? That didn't budge during the whole McGregor fiasco. Just continued drinking their beers and having a casual chat. Yeah, boy, they got they got those old dudes in that bar were hard, man. He got hit with a left hand, like completely no sold it. All the rest of the dudes around it just acted like that's what happened. It was like the Moss Eisley Cantina in Star Wars, man. <laughs> just dudes getting wrecked in the corner. Everyone else just goes about playing a tune and drinking their drink. Like, yeah, that's a that was a. I mean, it didn't look like a rough spot, but it had some had some hard characters. You can know that wasn't the first time that old bastard had been hitting the melon either. You know he's been probably punched. A co- I'm sure he said some filthy things, man. I'm sure whatever he said was probably, like, legit outrageous. But, you know, you can't be punching the elderly in bars, man. The fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> you know, I thought about this, too. Here's Here's how you know he's still not matured, McGregor. Because... Raise your hand if you've done dumb shit like that in a bar. And I've not punched the elderly, but, you know, who's gotten in a bar fight? All right. Raise your hand. When you're young, uh, here's the reality of, like, danger when you're young. And I'm 40 now, so I'm old and pathetic. But when you're young, you do dangerous things. And the majority of the time when you do, nothing bad happens. Or very little bad happens. Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But really not all that bad. But then you hear about these nightmare scenarios that are rare, but they happen where, for example, uh, I remember this Georgetown soccer player here in D.C. got in a fist fight. So, uh, someone knocked him out, and when he landed, he hit his head, not merely on the concrete. Have you ever seen, like, on a, on a parking lot at the edge? They've got, like, those big – not that big. They're on the ground. They're about 
six or seven inches off the ground and they like designate the top of the parking spot as just cement. It's like almost like a beige color. He hit his head on that thing and he died and he died. Now that's obviously a bit of an exaggerated example, but I'm only pointing out like the old man, we're all kind of laughing because the old man no sold it. But what if he'd had a medical condition, right? What if he'd had like some kind of, I don't know, um, traumatic brain injury earlier in his life or, uh, you know, he had a delicate heart or, or something like that. And something bad would have happened to that guy. Now, nothing did because the majority of the time when you engage in danger like that, nothing does. But the, the difference between being 45 and 25 is you're like, oh, right. Well, at 25, you've not really seen enough bad things happen from flirting with danger to take danger seriously. But when you're 45, you have, or 65 especially. You've seen enough of those bad situations, some idiot take advantage of it, and then, you know, <laughs> they get, they get, uh, they get uh, you know, uh, a 2-7 offsuit hand, right? And they're like, oh, well, now what are you going to do, right? So that's the difference. It's like, this is how this tells you, like, oh, yes, you can say, like, yes, the, one of the other bigger markers here is that he just decides whenever the rules don't apply to him, he can just use physical force of some variety to just overrun it, whether it's snatching a phone, which is relatively innocuous, but also putting his hands on Mark Goddard, jumping into a Bellator cage, chucking a dolly at a bus, whatever. That is one component here. The other component is here is enough. If you flirt with danger and bad things don't happen to you, or like not very bad things happen to you, and yes, he's lost millions, but nothing really traumatic has happened to him, why would you not just keep doing it? And the difference between, again, 45 and 25 is you've seen the bad things that happen when people play, play enough games. I, I suppose that he hasn't. I suppose that he hasn't. So we'll see how it goes. Why doesn't Nick corner Nate anymore? They don't seem as close as they once were. Hey, he's spreading his wings. He's his own man. Pepsi or cocaine? I'll take Pepsi. Uh, let's see. Do you think Stipe will avoid throwing a cross while backing up and cutting an angle out? Since that will square his body and leave him open for a takedown. Depends which way he angles. Should I pay a hundred bucks and go see live UFC in Shenzhen, China in two weeks? What's the card like? You can see the card for yourself on Wikipedia. Um, I don't know. Seeing UFC in China might be an experience. It's up to you. Do you think DC really found his appointments timing? I don't know what the hell that means. UFC has certainly undergone a lot of changes since the new ownership group took over. My interest in UFC product has waned as a result. Do you think the UFC's popularity is growing or shrinking? Probably shrinking, domestically growing internationally to a degree. It really all depends. Ian Heinisch doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Somebody who knows his story should get on that. How is that possible? He's got like one of the best stories. He actually was on my show. He had reached out, or actually it was funny. Um, he came on, he was like, uh, I had a dream I was going on your show, and then the next day your producer called me to come on. So he has like this big theory about what it means. He said, in the dream, I told him I had vacationed in Belgium. He goes, have you ever vacationed in Belgium? And I said, yes. As a matter of fact, I have once, but I've done it. And uh, and so to, like, if you talk to him, independent of all of that, He's really like he, he he said he's gonna run through Brunson like a freight train. 
we'll see if that happens. But he's also got this like dialed in mentality about all these signs being there. And, you know, look, athletes believe and say superstitious things. And to a degree, some of us all do, but especially athletes. Okay. You know, I don't know how, I don't know how true any of that stuff is, but what I do know is um, he believes it. He seems super focused. And if he wins that, he's already, I think, top 10. He'll jump top seven, top eight, and then he'll be really making some noise. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Could you see Pettis matching up with the top five at welterweight that well? No. I think anybody that can wrestle him is going to give him problems. And if they're in a bigger weight class, they're going to give him a lot of problems. He can stop takedowns. He can defend the worst of them for the most part. But even against even against Poirier, he had some troubles in that regard. And you get like a big Usman or a Covington. I suppose he wouldn't fight his teammate in Tyron Woodley. But let's say that they, they fought. I just don't think it would go that well for him. And I think any of those guys that big are going to, get, are going to be a problem for him. Uh, is Adesanya at an advantage because he fought someone who has a very similar style in Kelvin Gastelum? Maybe, but Kelvin is a different striker than Rob, and so I'm sure that was a beneficial experience, but I don't know that it gives him some kind of like really unique insight into how Rob might fight. Uh, let's see. A lot of the same questions here. Let me, hit, let me get to Twitter. I haven't answered any of these Twitter questions because I'm a bad person. Uh, let's see. If Diaz wins, should his next fight be a main event if it isn't for a belt? Depends who it's against. For example, if he fights Masvidal. Could you do Masvidal versus Pettis as a pay-per-view main event? You know you could. Romero versus Costa, best body in UFC title. I mean, I don't know how you could argue with that. When will you be on Joe Rogan? Probably never. Who do you think is the more skilled of the Diaz bros, Nick or Nate? Um, that's a good question. Probably in his prime, Nick, but they're pretty even. They're pretty even. What would interest you more at heavyweight, Jones versus DC or Jones-Stipe? Jo well, I mean, if Stipe wins, that's a different question. If if past his prologue, Jones-DC. I, I, Jones versus DC at heavyweight is like the fight to make in MMA. Do people care too much about records now? A lot of the time, greats had bad records even before tagging on a bunch of losses at the end. Sakuraba comes to mind. Records are nice in context, but we should just stop listing them next to fighters' names and comparing. Well, that seems like a bit of an extreme position. But yeah, having a little humility and understanding the context of losses is important. I had this conversation with Laura Senko. You see this on the women's side a lot. You'll see like, uh, you know, like a Raquel Pennington who's like a 10 or 11 and 7. You know, it's not a very distinguished record numerically. But then when you look at the, res the results, she's fought the best of her generation, so that partly explains it. A lot of women generally take a lot of catchweight fights outside of their natural division or a lot of last-minute ones because they're just trying to stay active. That explains a little bit of it. Um, there's a lot of parity at women's and women's MMA to a degree. So, uh, yes, I think having a little bit of understanding about what records mean is absolutely important, but not listing them, not paying attention to them, that seems a little bit silly. Like John's record, John Jones's record, or GSP's record, or Demetrius Johnson's win streak, it's pretty important. How has quality of life changed since you stopped the crazy commute to the to NYC? Well, it's just been a lot better. This week was kind of crazy because I went to L.A. 
Tuesday night at 10 p.m. I landed at uh, in LAX at uh, 1 a.m. and then slept till about eight. Got up, did the the Java Boy shoot with Brendan. Then um, I had to go do my radio show across town. Then I went back to LAX. I landed in D- in uh, in Dulles at 4 a.m. Got home after with traffic at uh, 6:30 a.m. Had to then help the baby feed till about 7:30 a.m. And then got sleep till about noon. So this week's been a bit crazy. But um, suffice to say, generally speaking, it's been a lot better. So like, uh, this has been the first month I've been able to go three to four week, three to four days a week to the gym. Couldn't do that at all before. Like, couldn't do it at all. Um, just a lot happier because I have a lot more creative freedom. Mondays are still a long day. I'm up at 4.30. I don't get home till about 10.30 at night. So that's a long day. But... It's not the end of the world, and it's a great job, and I'd be, I'm lucky to have it, so I can't complain about that. It's just that if you go up once a week, you know, it's really not so bad. Uh, it was just the two times a week were just a, I mean, it was awful because your schedule could never get normal. You're always trying to catch up on sleep. Um, you know, you're just eating on the road all the time. It's just terrible for you. It's terrible for you, so I'll never do that again. Will these be available on podcast too? I'll put this on podcast. Uh, let's see. Why isn't dissected part of the below the belt podcast feed? Because it's just hard to listen to without a visual component. That was actually my call. A lot of people complained that the Monday Morning Analyst was shouldn't go on the podcast. So I took it off that one and we took it off this one too. Why is no one talking about Asensal versus Sandhagen? Such a great fight. Really should be a top of the prelims, if not the main card. I'm surprised it's actually not the main event for the main card. I guess there's not enough name value there. But if you guys aren't paying attention, Corey Sandhagen is a superbly talented fighter. Uh, I think out of Elevation Fight Team, he's trained by Elliot Marshall. Just can do everything as a modern MMA fighter and aggressive and capable. Can take a big shot, just beat John Lineker. And now he's going up against Rafael Sunsa, who is as tough, and durable and talented as they come at bantamweight. Corey Sanhagen beats him, bro. He is on a rocket ship to the stars. So keep your eye on that fight for sure. Uh, what's next for the winner of Pettis versus Diaz? We've been over this. Who's next for Wonder Boy? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, who should be next for him? Ponzinibbio. It's not a bad. I'm, I, I'm not really good with those kinds of matchmaking questions. Other people are better. When will we see Gregor Gillespie back in there again? When he's done fishing? Why is CBD allowed, spelled A loud, during competition, but cannabis is only A loud uh, out of competition, considering CBD is part of the drug with the performance enhancements? UFC money grab with the new sponsor. Probably some of that, but also the, the whole point is you don't want somebody competing. Uh, under the influence of the um, the weight of the uh, THC affecting their system. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, God, I could use more sleep even still. Um, so essentially, you don't want them competing high. You don't want them comp- the euphoric effects. Essentially, you don't want them. You don't want them feeling the euphoric effects because that. Look, man. I'm as pro-marijuana as anybody else is. Um, we can have a debate about what's better, decriminalization, legalization. Uh, I, t- I enjoyed myself when I was in L.A. 
Uh, shouts to the herbarium out there. But um, you don't want someone competing high. It's really not a good look. It's bad. A lot of bad things could happen as a consequence. So just as a matter of risk management, uh, it's fine. But like to me, if a fight is over, should you be able to smoke a joint? Yeah. Like, And I get why they don't want you to do that because it could cloud the results about whether or not there was anything else happening. But to me, the best way to go through this is just have someone pass a field sobriety test. Are they high or are they not high? They're not high? Okay, good. Knock yourself out. And then just sort of be done with it. Which, by the way... Shouts to Chad Dundas from The Athletic. He went over some of the people who are expressing some skepticism about the, the value of anti-doping. He interviewed me for it. And if the fight, people always ask me, what's the best way to have an anti-doping system in MMA? And the answer is, I don't know. It's up to the fighters. Like, to me, <laughs> you have this anti-doping system where the fighters have been consulted, not at all. And they give this bullshit, like, oh, we call the fighters and we ask for their input. Sorry. You calling and asking for the input of fighters is still that's just that's just the benevolence of a king talking to the peasants is what that is. That is not the peasants having a seat as equals at the table with the lords. That that, that they're not the same. They're not the same. You'd get radically different systems. So the answer I always give people is what the fighters would end up deciding in negotiation with owners and management. And my hunch is Something like this, some relaxed attitudes towards marijuana would be included, which I think most rational people, whether you agree with me on anti-doping or not, I think most people would agree that would be a positive development. That kind of thing would be a positive development. Uh, okay, what have I missed? Um, anything here? All right. <clears throat> All right, I think that's about it for right now. So... Bit of a short of announcement. Last week, I said, uh, hey, if you want to do the uh, live chat and bring it back, um, let me know. See how you, you know, cast your vote, give me your opinion, that sort of thing. Boy, did you guys do that. You guys do that. So let me just formally announce this. Um, when we get to 100,000 subscribers, we're going to do the live chat again. I'm going to bring back the live chat. Now, there's more I might bring back in addition to that. But the, the positive response was, I mean, to this, this morning I got up and I'm still getting emails about it. I've never gotten more positive results from a question I've asked about should I do something than this one. Not even close. Not even remotely a contest. So I'll bring it back. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put on hiatus, however, the idea for a book club. One of the constant themes I saw from you guys giving feedback was you can bring back the live chat, but only do it if you're going to be happy. Fair point. So here's what I'm going to do to start. Uh, I'm going to probably make it about 45 minutes to an hour to start. No book club to start. I will give book recommendations through the course of this live chat if you kind of want to keep pace with what I'm reading. But a book club is a much more involved process. So just so I don't overburden myself and make sure that I stay positive and happy and everything, we get to 100,000. I'm going to bring it back. And I'm going to bring it back with some new graphics. I'm going to bring it back with some new... I got some new... Uh, oh, look what I got for my uh, my birthday. I got a very basic but uh, rhino slider. I'm going to introduce a bunch of different camera angles. I'm going to do a whole bunch of different stuff. Okay? Uh, my wife got me this for my birthday. So, shouts to the wife. Thank you for the, uh, for the rhino slider. In any event... Um, so... We're going we're gonna to level it up. 
but I don't want to overburden myself so that I get burned out again and then everyone's unhappy and no one wins. Let's make sure we all get to win from this. Let's make sure we all get to benefit. Let's make sure that this is something that I can do in a sustainable kind of way. I will create a new podcast feed. We'll put it on iTunes. We'll put it on Spotify. We'll put it everywhere you get it. Stitcher, the whole nine, blah, 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 blah. Apple Podcasts, you get it. But here's what you have to do. You have got to get this channel to 100,000 subscribers. Once that happens, we're in business. Um, there will be a post-fight show with a much better camera on Saturday night. We will do it for UFC 241. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Spread the word. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. I see people donated. You didn't have to. So in the interest of... God damn. There's a lot of people here. Um... Can you tease anything as far as upcoming content goes? Well, there's some. Should Face the Pain be replaced with a three-minute loop of Rich Evans laughing? Anything is better. Uh, keep up the great work from Belfast, Ireland. Shouts to Belfast. What are your thoughts on UFC, boxing, and WWE outing on shows in countries that have atrocious human rights records? And why is there inertia in general MMA media about this? I don't think most pay attention. Um... The other part about this is, very quickly, it's really not clear how to handle it. We're not really clear on what like what the right answer is. I asked Israel Adesanya about touring Saudi Arabia, and his point was, you, what, you're going to get these markets to open and modernize by shunning them or by going there and, and showing them a westernized way of living? Um, you know, I'm partial to that argument. At the same time, McEnroe refused to go to South Africa during the height of apartheid, even for an enormous amount of money. So it's a complicated, it's a complicated uh, decision. Uh, let's see. If Paul Acosta wins, is he next for a title shot? You would have to imagine. Uh, any chance of a fan meetup prior to the UFC in DC event? Yes. Strong one. Um, nothing, like, when I say nothing is confirmed, trust me when I tell you nothing is confirmed. But if you're from DC, you'll know this name. Uh, I've been in talks with Chad Dukes. Chad Dukes hosts the afternoon drive time show on 106.7 The Fan. He's a big he's a big uh, deal in the uh, DC market for sure, and uh, he and I um, have called shows together. We called uh, Washington Combat. Um, he's been a longtime MMA fan. He wants to do some stuff that day of the fight, but I said, uh, why don't we also consider again consider doing a meetup the night before near the Capital One Arena. So I think we're going to do that. So if you're in the D.C. area or you're coming to the UFC event in D.C., I think on December 7th, the day before on that 6th, we're probably going to have like a tweet up, a meetup, some kind of podcast recording. We'll do something. We'll do something. So be on the lookout. I think it's going to be me and Chad Dukes that do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, do you people feel like people underestimate Habib striking? We've been over this. Any rap recommendations? Well, I'm fucking 40. I mean, who cares what I'm listening to? But I did just uh, listen to the new self-titled Paragraphs of Murder song. It's pretty good. I could probably pull it up here, as a matter of fact. Paragraphs of Murder. Let's see. good yeah, fast forward 
More, no more. Yeah, he's good. Uh, okay. In my opinion, Dustin is the first legitimately dangerous stylistic matchup for Habib. Everyone he's faced in the past don't offer the, multi the multitude of danger. Um, I think it's a little bit generous, but I would agree that I just think Dustin, there's people sleeping on Dustin Poirier and I'm like, do you not, do you not consider how good he is? Uh, there's a little bit of people overestimating the chances of his demise. When will the little gordita get her own podcast? Hopefully in no time soon. <laughs> uh, in the best interest of the U.S. to put sanctions on Erdogan. Um, this is a complicated question about how this might affect NATO and um, push Turkey into the arms of Russia. Well, they did buy the weapons system from uh, Russia, didn't they? The, um, the missile defense system. I don't know. They might have to. Yoel missed weight. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Did he? Please tell me that's not real. Ooh, interesting. At 230 and a half pounds, Steve Miocic is the lightest he's weighed in for a UFC fight. Previous low was 236. Smart. He's going to get mobile. I like that. It's good. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Ooh, Hamas made the squad for the game against Celta Vigo. Are you shitting me? Did he really miss weight? Is that a real thing? Let's see. Uh, I've not seen that official yet, so okay, we'll wait. I've not seen that official. Could be true, but I, I can't I can't determine it in the in the in the moment we are in right now. Um, how do you think Canelo would do in a boxing match versus Connor at one fifty five? Yeah, not well. I'm sorry, Canelo would do well. Connor would have a real bad day. <laughs> uh, let's see. Excluding the main event, who has the most to lose following a loss? Diaz. Thoughts on a potential Neymar transfer to Madrid? Don't believe it. I think it's just to make Barca look better. When he like ultimately chooses them anyway. Should there be a ban on MMA retirement stories? They never mean anything. Look at Struve. You got to call it pre-tirement. Remember what Chad Mendez did? So Chad Mendez had, he got popped, right? So then... He was out two years and then came back, had a win, had a loss, and then decided to fully retire. Now, in the end, he might come back too. But that two years was like an early retirement. And and then he came back and got his post-retirement fights. He didn't really call it retirement, but if you treat it that way. And then he got his win, his loss, and then he bounced. So it's like a pre-retirement or a pre-tirement. That's the best way to look at it. Thank you for the awesome content. Thank you, friend. How big would a Diaz Bros pay-per-view be? Huge. Do you think the winner of UFC 243 will be the next big star? It'll be one of them. With weight cuts being looked at by one, uh, at looked at, excuse me, with weight cuts being looked at, would a 195, 225 weight class make sense? Uh, not right now. Not more than 165. 
Uh, okay, so there you have it. You have my announcement. Spread the word. We get to 100,000. We're going to bring back the live chat. Yes, we're going to bring it back. It'll start out as a 45-minute to an hour-long podcast. We'll put it out on Apple, on Spotify, on everything else. We'll do it here. It'll be fun. I'm going to level up. A bunch of different cameras working. Cool, fun things. But none of that starts until we get to 100,000. I will see you all on Saturday night following the main event as soon as it's over. Come right back here. We're going to have an awesome post-fight show. Bring your beam. Bring your Coke Zero. Bring uh, toothpicks to keep your eyes open so you can watch the whole thing. It should be a ton of fun. Thank you guys so much for watching. And until next time, stay frosty.